This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Good morning, it's 6.33. Sterling Fox in for the vacationing Jill Bennett. Nice to be with you again this Saturday morning in Vancouver as we uh, wake up to the reality that the buck and a half a liter gas is once again back with us. It's not anything we ever celebrate. Unfortunately, we've become a little too accustomed to it for our own good. So what's the story? We've uh, very fortunately made contact with Dan McTagg joining us from the Toronto area this morning. Uh, Mr. McTagg is the senior petroleum analyst with GasBuddy.com. Dan, good to talk to you again. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me this morning, uh, Sterling. It's a pleasure. I'm looking at a blog you wrote yesterday on GasBuddy.com, and I'm just going to throw the opening line at you, and we'll have a little chat about this before we get to the buck-and-a-half stuff in Vancouver. Hard to imagine that with U.S. products producing the most oil in over 48 years and heading towards a once-thought-to-be-lost goal of energy independence, that oil from Canada provides the majority of an ever-dwindling oil import picture. The USA is just gangbusters on oil production these these days, Dan. Absolutely. Uh, and fortunately for us in Canada, not only do we have an existing relationship uh, provided by pipelines, but uh, a lot of U.S. refiners' uh, plants use heavy oil. Uh, what is produced in the United States is shale, very light oil. Uh, that may sound great on surface, but it has a number of components in it that uh, many refineries simply cannot use. So while American production is increasing, so are exports, uh, not just because some refineries worldwide need that. It's just that not every refinery is built to do the same thing. Uh, some, you know, some will take heavy slates, uh, some will take light. One other thing to keep in mind is that the deep discount uh, of Canadian oil uh, makes it very lucrative. And so what Canadians are in fact doing by restriction in pipelines is deeply discounting our oil. Yesterday I saw it trading for about... Uh, just a little over $29 a barrel. Right. And, and, and what was uh, the world price at the same time? Over 60 wasn't 61, it, Dan? Yeah. 61 Even basket case Venezuela, as I pointed out in the article, is selling for $55 a barrel. So we have a serious problem here in Canada, and it's, uh, it's really not a, just a question of whether you like or do you dislike oil or whether uh, you've embraced the brave new world of uh, renewables. The reality is at the uh, at the bottom of all of this is the fundamental support of the Canadian economy. In other words, revenue, jobs, uh, higher standard of living, which Canadians have become rather, relatively accustomed to, but which is now clearly at risk. And one of the things that's causing us to be back in the buck-and-a-half neighborhood for a liter of blinking gas, and by the way, that translates to almost six bucks a gallon uh, in uh, in the old way, too, doesn't it? It's amazing. But, Dan, uh, I wanted to ask you uh, about capacity, because one of the problems that we face chronically here in the lower mainland and, and, and uh, metro Vancouver is supply. We have a problem with a, a constant flow of supply and when that supply is interrupted gosh what a surprise prices go up what how do we fix that well there are no easy answers this is sort of a, an accumulated problem over the past 20 years where you have fewer and fewer refineries uh, many of you will remember when arco was uh, uh, was around offering gasoline very cheap uh, it also saw an exit of many retailers back in the 1990s but we also saw in the same period of time, uneconomical profits led to refineries closing down. Uh, I think there was one in Port Moody closed in 1995. Uh, those things have, you know, while, while they may have been applauded by some for various reasons, the reality is that now with Parkland, which is the former Chevron plant, 
down for an extended period of time for turnaround maintenance, plan maintenance, and with U.S. Uh, refiners barely able to make uh, headway in terms of supplying their own markets, we have a serious shortage in the Pacific Northwest. Mm. And no, no clearer is that a case than here in uh, in the Lower Mainland, where if we don't get our gasoline from Parkland when it's down, some of it, uh, they, so Parkland probably provides about 30% of the uh, fuel needs we have here in the region. Uh, the Trans Mountain Pipeline, about 40%. The other 20, 15 to 30%, depending on the time, comes directly from the four refineries in the United States and Washington State. And while they are quite happy to take our oil, uh, they're uh, at very cheap prices. They're selling it back to us at a significant premium, and that's what happens when you paint yourself into a corner. Right. Dan, the other, I, I wanted to very quickly ask you this morning about the, another part of the argument that comes up on both sides of the equation on this pipeline conversation is, uh, and, and I find I, some, I find some validity certainly to the sentiment. People are saying, look, why do we have to export our oil, as you just said, to people who buy it cheap and sell it back to us so we pay through the nose for the privilege of buying it back? Why don't we just build our own Blinken refineries and do it ourselves? Well, that would happen, except that the opposition to a simple pipeline uh, is so is so fierce. Uh, no one in their right mind would have, uh, uh, or would would in fact risk, you know, money that they could put elsewhere to supply the Canadian market. In other words, I'd be far better to go to Washington State and build a refinery or, or max out the size of my refinery and sell it back to Canadians because we know full well that the regulatory regime and the opposition to anything to do with fossil fuels is so severe. Uh, it would make it impossible to uh, to make headsway, and of course, you would probably lose your shirt in the process. The refineries can't be built overnight; usually, about a three to five year process. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming that uh, regulation is in your favor. We know that the regulatory affairs in Canada are such that it is uh, absolutely contrary to any type of building of such a facility. We did build a new refinery in uh, uh, in Alberta very recently, the Sturgeon Lake Refinery, not far from Edmonton. It's a diesel refinery. Uh, that had government support in an environment in a province that is uh, that understands the, uh, the the significance of being able to take its uh, its oil and turn it into valuable uh, you know uh, uh, pros- uh, uh, products like diesel. Right. I mentioned a five dollar seventy cent a gallon. That's what a buck and a half a liter in the old way of of reckoning things works out to. I used to live in White Rock. My oldest son still lives there. It's just a pop across the border. Even post nine eleven, White Rock people go down for milk and cheese and the stuff that costs stupid up in Canada. And of course, they fill up their tanks every chance they get. And he tells me, Dan, uh, the savings are are getting to be quite significant. Forty dollars plus. So if I'm driving my four-cylinder 2012 Ford Escape, taking 65 liters to fill it up, uh, I'm going to save about $30. Uh, if I bring some jerry cans, it'll be you know that just that much more. The, the size of your vehicle, say a van or uh, even a bigger vehicle, uh, you're going to save a whole lot more. And if you have a Nexus card, you don't have to worry about lining up for half an hour, 45 minutes. You're across in anywhere from five to 10 minutes at the most. And I think a lot of people are saying, look, if that's what I'm going to save weekly, 40 to $50, that may, uh, for the pointy heads in this world, may think be be nothing, but over a year, period of a year, you're saving two thousand dollars, and I'm not even including, of course, the other things that they'll likely buy. Unfortunately, we've really priced ourselves out of the market, and all this wonderful, brave new world of carbon taxes and transit taxes and all these other wonderful things have really led to a number of people 
desperately seeking ways in which to save money, and that is one of the most obvious ones. Uh, remind us again, because the, the taxation reality, of course, here in the in the Lower Mainland especially, I mean, you can drive to Abbotsford or Chilliwack and save yourself uh, 10 or 11 cents a liter just because you're outside the TransLink surcharge tax zone. How much of that buck and a half a liter we're going to fill the car up with this morning, Dan, is tax? Uh, 50 cents a liter at a 149.9, it's 49.3 to be exact. Some will argue a tenth of a cent here or there. Mm. 49.3, so well into the one-third range, and uh, that, uh, put it put it another way, that's about a buck eighty a gallon <laughs> U.S. If I'm in South Carolina, there are many stations selling for a buck eighty. So taxes is the one factor, a lack of refinery capacity, opposition to any type of uh, increase in, be, in, in production uh, here in our own region. All of these factors uh, are really leading to uh, an impossible situation, I think, where uh, people in the lower mainland are going to start to have to make some noise about uh, which way they want to go in the brave new world of, uh, you know, driving around with skateboards or whether or not, uh, you know, we, uh, we can, in fact, uh, continue to conduct business in our region. And, of course, forget that for a moment. Even those who don't drive a car have to understand very appreciably that diesel is also being heavily hit. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff that makes your economy run. That's the stuff that delivers the groceries to your store. That's the uh, uh, that's the fuel that uh, uh, provides uh, for mining, forestry. Uh, the kind of you can't walk away from this kind of stuff in British Columbia because it's what our economy is is, is driven on. Finally, if some say, "Well, hey, I only care about airports," we are very short on uh, on, uh, on on jet fuel. We have to import the bulk of our fuel now from the United States in order to get our planes to fly here in Canada, and that to me uh, is a very serious outcome. Uh, and I, I hear the debates as to why we shouldn't do this, why mm-hmm. we shouldn't do that. Uh, we even get into the Trans Mountain issue. If the company building the second line had more availability to devote one pipeline to crude and use the existing uh, conduit to perhaps bring in more gasoline or diesel, that would have a positive effect in drive-down prices to more reasonable levels as opposed to what you're paying right now. Mm, well, lineups on Saturday are particularly long, but you know, it's suddenly a, a little bit of a wait at the border to save significant dough is uh, looking a little more attractive uh, as days go by. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.